Good evening, Patriots. It is Sunday, August 14th in the year 2022. East Coast, you've headed into Monday. We're not there yet, and we're not going to race to catch up. And since we're now restarting this show, because we had bad audio, hopefully everybody can hear me this time. But I know how this goes, because we've got a bunch of people that just arrived, and they're like, hey, man, what's going on? How come the show's starting at 13 minutes after the hour? <laughs> Because our audio sucked. That's why we had to reboot everything. So, all right. So here we're going to talk a little bit about my store. Because my store is Mike Lindell's effort now to build an alternate Amazon. And it's just getting off the ground. He's had it there for quite some time, but he's really putting some effort into it now. And the my store is got a lot of American-made products. But the feature product that we're looking at right now is my coffee. So if you head over to mystore.com, mystore.com forward slash Bards, and right on the top of that page, because again, because we're cool, we're Bards Nation, we have our own special page. You click on the top of the page where it says my coffee, and you're going to find a great coffee. So it's medium, light, and dark roasts. And you can get them in two different sizes, small bag, two-pound bag. If you're a normal coffee drinker, two-pound bag is probably enough to carry you through for about three days, maybe five. Just kidding. And so you get a great quality coffee at a great price. It's organic. It's roasted in the United States, which is awesome. And it's for those that are wanting to assist your liberal friends that are trying to wake up, Make sure and get them the two-pound bag because it has Mike Lindell's picture on the front of it with waving an American flag. I see that's the part I like. I like those sorts of things. That's the best way to to say I love you in patriot language. So I I don't have any liberal friends, but I'm gonna have to find some because I'm gonna literally have to go like, oh, who do I have to send? Who am I gonna send my coffee to this year? Anyway, check it out. It is a great coffee, very seriously. I have tried it out, all of it. And very impressed with the flavor, the, the, the quality overall, really qu- top quality bean, top quality roast, very consistent, and I highly recommend it. So head on over to mystore.com forward slash bards, because you know that, because it's like the other one is my co- mypillow.com forward slash bards. This is mystore.com forward slash bards. And same promo code, bards, B-A-R-D-S. Get a great discount, 25% off, and you get great coffee. And it's worth it. And you're helping an American company and you're drinking an American roasted, organically certified coffee. You can't get better than that. Well, maybe you can, but it's good. So check it out. You know where to go and you know what to do. It's pretty straightforward. All right. So we're going to go over a couple things here. We got some crazy stuff, obviously, going on. But I want to start with some top of, of the tier, top Biden administration logic of what's going on in the world right now. Now, I want you to listen to this very carefully. Remember, costs are going up by 30% on the average for the household basics, like gas, milk, eggs, beef, those sorts of things that hit you right square in the pocketbook, electricity for your house, and even rents are going up, which are projected to be 40% by next year, which is crazy. But Biden administration has an answer for you. Here you go. 
There are three independent studies, though, that show it's actually going to have a minimal effect on inflation, and that many parts of the bill obviously don't even take effect until next year, some years later than that. So what specifically will this bill do to lower costs for Americans right now? Oh, I, this, this, first of all, immediately, um, people will be able to lower the fuel costs in their home. There's a 30% tax credit that you can claim in 2022 for installing energy efficient windows, heat pumps, energy efficient appliances. That is right away. And on top of that, of course, if uh, citizens want to install solar panels on their roofs so that they can generate their own power, that's another 30% tax credit. Um, and of course, there's the tax credits that are at the dealership for the automotive sector, for electric vehicles. So, and if you install an electric vehicle charging station in your home, you can also get a tax credit. What they're telling you is really fantastic. Now, I realize you may not be able to afford meat and eggs and milk and maybe not even afford the gas for your car, but here's the deal. You're going to be able to get these fantastic tax credits if you'll spend $5,000 on a new heat pump and some appliances, you're going to get 30% back from the government. Once you do your taxes a year later, you'll get it back. And it was providing they don't go bankrupt. Now, here's the other thing. If you want to get solar panels for your house so you can generate your own electricity, see, I did that cost estimate already on my place, and it was $40,000 for my house to get solar panels, but, hey, I can get 30% back a year later. That's no big deal. So that's $45,000. And then if you want to really help the environment and buy a new car, a new electric car that still requires coal to generate the electricity to charge it, but hey, what the heck, $65,000 and you're going to get a little tax credit there. And then, of course, you get a charging station, which isn't really a charging station. It's just a battery bank to store the power that you get from coal, but you put that in your garage so you can feel good. And, of course, if you have a solar panel on the roof after you spent $40,000 to get the charging station, then you're going to need an additional $10,000 or so for your charging station. But that's okay. That's all in all, that's about, oh, that's not too bad. If you spend about $115,000, you're going to be able to save all sorts of money. (laughs) That's That's what we call pass the bill first. And uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what's in it, you know, that sort of thing. So, oh, my goodness. But these are the same people that doesn't matter what you say to them, they're never going to listen. And they've got other good ideas for you, too. Like, oh, like, we want to get this down to one shot. That's all. Just one shot, one kill future of the COVID vaccine to look like for adults when it comes to schedule, dosage, makeup. You know, you mentioned basically that you're looking to make sure that folks are protected against multiple different strains, multiple viruses, right? There are around 10 viruses that circulate in the world. Some of them mutate fast, like flu or COVID, some don't. We think we can put in a single product a lot of mRNAs taking care of all those viruses. And that once a year, you should be able to get an annual booster, single dose, that has in the vial all those mRNAs for all those viruses that are, of course, adapted to the strain of a season, like flu, like COVID strain and so on. And the idea is a bit like the iPhone, where, as we know, you know, a lot of us buy a new iPhone every, every September, uh, and you get new apps, and you get refreshed apps. And that's exactly the same idea, which is you'll get COVID and flu and RSV in your single dose. 
and you'll get what's the best science of the moment to protect you for the strain circulating now and in the fall winter. So we can combine all those things and provide to people around the world the annual booster, so only one shot. You see, you didn't realize that you were going to be able to find yourself on the App Store, but you can now, apparently, because that's where the booster idea is coming from. They're just turning your body into a computer program, which is exactly what they told everybody from the beginning, that they would change your immune system so that they could update it. Oh, the fact that people even believe it. But here's more to the ground truth of what we all know is what makes us healthy. Humans are made of dirt, just like the Bible says, part two. I knew that humans had the same physical composition as dirt, but check out these comments. There's only one species of human, but we come in many different skin tones. And guess what shares the same color tones? Dirt, exactly. And what else do we have in common with dirt? Bugs. Humans have bugs outside our body and inside our body, just like soil does. And if there's an imbalance where there's too many bad bugs and not enough good bugs, there's problems. Have you or anybody you've known had candida? That happens when there's not enough good bacteria to fight off the yeast. And in our garden right now, we have cucumber bugs eating up all the cucumbers. And the solution? Plant flowers that attract the right kind of bugs to take out the cucumber bugs. A healthy gut means a healthy life without the need for pharmaceuticals. Just like permaculturists are finding out that healthy soil equals a healthy garden without the need for chemicals. But we didn't know that for a long time. The way nature really works is being rediscovered and it's fixing things. Sorry, priests of science. Despite your century of propaganda, the truth is coming out. It is. And I don't know if you've been following the new science that's evolving out of COVID. I mean, the real science. And I have Dr. Lee Merritt on this week and she's going to talk about it. Really what people are starting to really look at, doctors are looking at, is that viral science is a joke. And really what we're dealing with more than anything is parasites and different forms of parasites within the body. And this is one of the conclusions that Dr. Merritt will talk about this week is that ivermectin is, it wasn't just the fact of what it was doing for the issue of, of the fake pandemic, but it's the fact that it was curing other parasitical issues, one of which was cancer. So, it's, And she is, by the way, if you go to the, the rebel doctor, I believe it is, just look up Dr. Lee Merritt. She has a pr- two protocols on her front page that you can download on getting, of getting rid of parasites and improving your health. If they're good, I'd highly recommend them to take a look at. And, uh, and she is pushing the idea that, not pushing, but they're starting to show the research the cancer itself is parasitical, which is very interesting. Can't do an evening of a show on a Sunday without getting an update on the craziness of the Mar-a-Lago raid. You don't mind if I'm coming in a little bit hot. You might even say nuclear hot. You might even say going critical meltdown mode because that's what's happening in the White House right now. Everybody's running around like crazy. Biden, nowhere to be found, of course, down there at this mega donor's uh, palatial estate in South Carolina, not far from Jekyll Island, by the way. Uh, you know, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But at the end, of, let's see, we have to look at this. Kamala Harris, nowhere to be found. Joe Biden, nowhere to be found. They push him off the main stage and then they launch a preemptive coup, a preemptive coup because they see the primary challenges all winning. They see Kerry Lake. They see Joe Kent on the Western Front. They see everything. They see me and Drew, by the way, that we're basically war room night watch over there on RAB at at the 10 p.m. hour. And what's going on now in this country is they realize that President Trump and his movement are coming back and they're coming back strong. So Garland comes out there. They leak the fake story to Newsweek. 
Newsweek runs with the fake story. Nobody buys it. Garland has to come out tail between his legs. Doesn't say anything. Hold, hold on, Steve, hold on, hold on. Hang on. Hold on. I got to get to this Newsweek story. Hold on, hold on. The Newsweek yes, story yes. is very important. Two senior Justice Department officials go to Newsweek, which is left wing but legit. Tell them they have authority to speak to them. That they justice had nothing to do with this, and they had direct knowledge of the matter. It was all FBI. Jack Posobiec. Yeah, I don't know if that was Fusion GPS over there involved. I don't know if that was Perkins Coy, another dirty dossier about the, you know, the Russians and the hookers and the golden showers and all the rest. But, you know, if Merrick Garland wants to talk about golden showers and nuclear secrets, I'll be there with you all day long, buddy, because we know that the FBI, this FBI and this DOJ has lied about President Trump since the day he came down the golden escalator. And they're doing the same thing now because they're terrified of this movement. They're t- Look, Steve, they're going to go and talk about the rhetoric of the war room. They're going to talk about the rhetoric of human events. They're going to talk about everybody. They're going to talk about bards and how much of a danger we are to the republic because we talk about God, which is good because I can't wait to see some of those lightning bolts. By the way, one of the best, (laughs) it is literally one of the best clips I saw today was a dude driving along. He's an atheist. And he says in this car, God does not exist. And he says, I'll tell you what, if God exists, there will be a lightning bolt in three, two, one, and there's a lightning flash right above his car. And he just gets totally quiet for a second. And he says, uh, that's concerning. Yeah, it's kind of concerning because God just lets you know to shut up. Like, knock it off. This is not a game. But it's awesome. You know, some people have to get smacked upside the head. And that's that's a good way to do it. But here's the thing about where the left is right now. And you just heard about the War Room's report on this Mar-a-Lago raid. But here's the real issue of the left is they are in a constant state of TDS, Trump derangement syndrome. And this is told by a guy that used to be a radical leftist. If he had child pornography on his laptop, you would want him executed. If he deleted 33,000 emails after they were subpoenaed by Congress, you would want Donald Trump executed. If he and his son were doing millions and potentially billions of dollars worth of business with a foreign enemy, you would want him executed. If Donald Trump began selling our nation's oil reserves to a Chinese company that his son Don or Eric had business dealings with, you would call for him to be executed. Language warning coming up. There's no such thing as going too far with you guys. You would have no clue when you've gone too far. You will never wake up to the fact that you are on a witch hunt specifically for Donald Trump, but you have absolutely nothing against him. Nothing that you don't already have against Biden. It's really sad. You guys are, he's living in your fucking head rent free. And it's hilarious because you're losing every single day. Every day you are wrong about everything, about absolutely everything. And I try to beep it. You got the point. And it's right there. So that right there is the truth. They are absolutely out of their mind and they can't see past what they're doing. They're caught in that OODA loop like I've talked about so much. And they and they are afraid to look at anything anymore that's outside their purview. Take a listen to this. This is an interesting perspective on this a guy has been doing research on he used to be he was a He's a researcher, and he's come to the conclusion that about everything in, in the world is truly God-made. And he's going to talk about this in terms of the science deniers that now can't even accept the fact when he proves the Bible's right, those in science still can't can accept the Bible. This is the real problem that we have right now. 
I'm a full-time content creator that's been researching the nature of reality for over 20 years. My research has led me to believe that the universe is designed and that the designer is the God of the Bible. So why am I so frustrated? Because of people who refuse to believe scientific facts, if those facts support the legitimacy of the Bible. My last video, which details the remarkable ability for the human rib to regenerate itself, and how this supports the idea of God making Eve out of Adam's rib, has been received really well by a lot of people and not so much by others. It is a scientific fact that the human rib can regenerate itself. They even use ribs as graphs for cranial reconstruction. And why? High fusion rates, low infection, and regeneration at the donor site. So these comments are just totally wrong. Just because you don't agree with something or you don't want it to be true doesn't make it misinformation. Yeah, it's awesome. He does great research. I've got a couple more pieces from him tonight. He's, he's really rock solid. And he does good research to show a lot and to establish the, the the validity of the stories in the Bible, not that that's necessary in the point of science, but he's doing it with the scientific method to point back at those and go, hey, yo, you guys don't know what you're talking about. This is a, a very interesting time, to say the least, of where we're at. And, and really what we are coming to again and again is we're all being challenged. And we will be challenged in various ways of our fixed beliefs. There is, I've said this before, and I'm just going to encourage this as a, as a, a way of seeing this. And the Bible is, is very much like listening to a symphony. And the metaphor that I use on this is if you read notes, you see notes, but you can't hear the music. But if you can hear the music in its fullness, it plays beyond the notes. And I, to me, that's how the Bible reads. And I'm, that's how it's always read to me. And it's, it's a very profound scripture. There is a person that, and I think I said this the other night, but I'm going to share it again. He is a computer uh, analyst and programmer. And he made the comment, he said that, and it's really quite insightful. He said, the Bible is written brilliantly in the sense that it is, it is just like pieces that are spread across the various texts that no matter how you, whatever you do to it, it will always preserve itself as if it was embedded in a three-dimensional hologram that as you read it, that always that hologram reappears with it and it forms itself as you read it. I think that's a, a good analysis of the Bible. And I think it's an important point to hold on to right now because what I'm noticing with comments that I get is that people are very much clinging on right now to this sort of end of times narrative. Patriots, that's if it's end of times or not end of times, I don't know. But God's coming to make heaven on earth. And whenever that time comes, cool, awesome, buckle up. But our mission is always going to be what's before us and right now, what's before us is to move the kingdom and expand the kingdom. And that has to be a constant and persistent focus on what we're doing because we're reminded God is the only one that will know the actual time. And so I really, I will tell you, the, the, when people get wrapped into trying to give dates and specifics and events, somehow, I, and I don't quite understand this, but, and I've, it's as bad as the science deniers when you try to push them to, to look at Scripture through the proof that Scripture is provable by science. We go the other way, and it's dangerous. Because then when you say, for example, like, well, you do realize that with what we understand about the global cabal, they could literally start intentionally creating events to make you believe that it's the last book in the Bible. That's, that would be Revelation. Revelation. 
And I get this response almost every time. Well, then God's designed that. And I'm like, no, I don't, that's not, I don't think that's even a correct logic because the intent would be to try to disarm those in belief of, of scripture. And they would to disarm them to such a degree that they would roll you over like a steam train. And that's really where I think that we have to be very careful on everything. There's a, there's a persistent issue right now of wanting to find an easy way out. There is a persistent issue right now with believing that what's going to happen, like Mar-a-Lago, no big deal, Trump's got it. Uh, the, the FBI raid, well, that's just a bad FBI, but we're going to get this fixed. It's all, the Trump team is going to fix it. The White Hats are going to fix it. You know, IRS, 87,000 IRS agents being hired. Let me put that in military terms. That's 80 battalions of IRS agents armed with the, with the right to use lethal force to against Americans without having to use the American court system. They have their own monkey court that they use. This should disturb everybody. But somehow, like, that's going by a large percentage of the people, and they're like, mm, I guess I better pay my taxes. Wrong. That's, the, that's not the response to arming up and creating a small army. And if you really start to look at these events, it's always coming back to us to have to take a bold stand and to continue to be pushing both faith and truth into the world. That's not going to change. You know, like a soldier's mission in peacetime doesn't mean he does nothing. The soldier's mission in peacetime is to not only train and to be more and to be better at their training, to innovate, to improve, but to also work and pay attention to what potential adversaries are going to be to do missions into other places like medical missions or humanitarian missions or training missions into other territory to build alliances, to build networks, because that's the idea of a strong, aggressive, offensive positioning where you're never sitting back on your laurels waiting for somebody to roll up and roll you over. This enemy is wicked. It is probably beyond the imagination of all of us when we really dig into how much evil it is. When we hear about what hell is like and how it is just, it is so incredibly bad, you can imagine that since Satan seems to be pretty active these days, they're trying to bring hell on earth. These are people that enjoy, every person that's suffering right now, they enjoy the pain. They enjoy witnessing, experiencing it, the whole thing. So again, it, it's our point to be vigilant with Scripture, our point to be vigilant in that discipleship into the world and to literally be pushing God's Word out and the foundation. And, it, and I've said before, and it's such a big deal, not to expect them to meet us where we are, but to meet them where they are. Special Forces, such a great example of all of this, when they do indigenous work and they do work within countries to build guerrilla teams, they're not walking in expecting these people to know how to fight. They're not walking in to expect these people to be organized in platoons or squads and to be able to be organized in tactics. They're meeting them where they are, literally, too, like in the country, in their village, in the local area. And under the the cover of the eyes of the state that they're fighting against, they are now working with people to give them confidence, working with people to open their eyes to the strength of things, to understand how to organize, how to to understand what tactics are, how to train them to shoot. And little by little, they raise up an army that takes on its own strength that then can stand against the evil. Our mission isn't much different. Here's another piece from the the guy we mentioned a minute ago. And I, I think this is really interesting. He's using science to prove Adam and Eve. 
Has science actually proven that Adam and Eve were real and that we are all their descendants? Check this out. In 1987, Rebecca Kahn, Mark Stone King, and Alan Wilson published a paper in the journal Nature that dropped a bombshell on our understanding of human origins. Until then, the prevailing theory held that different groups of humans had evolved separately in different regions. But that turned out to be totally wrong. Their groundbreaking work revealed that all humans carried mitochondrial DNA in their cells that dated back to a single woman. There isn't just a mitochondrial Eve, which is the mother of all women. There's also a genetic Adam, known as Y-chromosomal Adam. When did they live? According to mainstream science, mitochondrial Eve and Y-chromosomal Adam lived between 150 and 200,000 years ago. However, in the peer-reviewed paper, modeling the recent common ancestry of all living humans, scientists calculated that everybody living today does in fact have the exact same ancestors, and that these ancestors lived between five and 7,000 years ago. And that would be a snap boom right there. Pretty good. So really good research he's doing and good channel. So I just saw some comments and I'm going to go back on this IRS thing. And there's a couple of comments. Someone said that they've been, IRS agents have been around for years in the criminal division. Why the change? And here's, here's something to keep in mind. No, 87,000 new IRS agents haven't been around in the criminal division. These are additions to the IRS Secondly, IRS agents have not been recruited in 87,000 numbers to carry weapons and to use lethal force by their definition against American citizens. If people are wondering what this is about, this is where my projection, what I theorize that we're dealing with with the IRS. Number one, they are looking at the ability to squeeze people that fit within the profile that the, that the FBI has already said can constitute domestic terrorists. That, const that means people that like the Constitution. That means people that will support the Gadsden flag. That means people that support the colonial 13 stars flag. That means people that wear a, like a black flag. That means people that like Trump. That means people that believe that the IRS is bad. That means anybody that supports the idea of nationalism. All that ties in with the global agenda, and you're rolling out what is effectively 1,600 agents new per state. That's 1,600 per state that are now armed and trained in their methods to raid homes, to do breaches, and, and do full stacks as they come in, to be able to confiscate property and to do so without having a warrant. What is that telling you? It's telling you the government's being prepared to take a massive overreach on power, to start taking away property, to start taking away homes, and to start crushing out opposition politically by using the IRS. Furthermore, you can almost be assured that this is a move to federalize the police. They have created an incident where they absolutely could not have missed the calculus that the FBI has now become the most hated law enforcement agency in the United States, and people are calling for its disbanding. Where are those agents going to go when they disband it? I can guarantee you there's going to be warm seats ready for them over in the IRS. And they're going to be able to laterally move from the FBI into the IRS, and they're not going to have to worry about their warrants anymore because the IRS has its own ability to warrant, to wiretap, and to seize property and money. This all ties in with Agenda 2030. Agenda 2030, meaning they're going to push you off the land and force everybody into the cities. You will own nothing. You will rent everything. And, oh, yes, patriots, you will be happy because if you're not, your social credit score will crash and they will you'll be left with no money in your UBI. So that should kind of frame the whole idea of the IRS. They are not a good organization. 
They never have been. They're unconstitutional. And they've always been one step away from the fascists. In fact, probably are the hidden fascists in there. So this is not a good move for the nation. And it's, a, it's something that definitely we need to keep the emphasis on truth about because there is a real problem right now in this country of recognizing truth and accepting it. It's, it's going to be ongoing. Right now, I think one of our big challenges in this nation is going to be the continued push to embracing the true sense of God. Our nation is in judgment right now. We are literally in the valley of decision and the, the problem is that we have a lot of people that just aren't wanting to take that step into God. They're willing to look at Trump and worship him or look at somebody else. But in my opinion, I mean, the way, way things are moving is that God is really putting some pressure on this nation to start realizing and crushing down idols. The issue with President Trump is interesting for me because we prayed on President Trump and we will continue to, to create a to have a president be a repenting president and to come to Jesus and to lead the nation in a prayer of repentance. We've had these prayers here. And there, I'm in some conversations I've had today, I've found out that there are many organizations, many groups around the country that are doing the same thing. If God is hearing our prayers, where two or three are gathered, then we would probably expect to see some change. And yet I think we're seeing that change, but I don't know that we're identifying it correctly. So I'm going to give you my thoughts. When we pray for something, we often expect to see a result or we seek to see a result from the prayer. God, we would like to see a president that is repenting. And so then we would, we are have in our mind that we're going to see some magical or immediate shift transformation that would bring a president to repent and pray. When we pray for strength, we expect to we have in our minds very frequently that we will be given strength. When we pray for courage, we, we have in our minds we'll be given courage, and so on. I don't think we often enough consider the fact that when we pray, God gives us challenges to make, to learn from, and to make the decision to move forward through that problem and to learn from it. So if we pray for strength, we're going to be given challenges that will make us stronger. If we pray for courage, we'll be given opportunities that will give us ways to learn and to experience courage. If we pray for President Trump being a repenting president, then I would expect to see in situations that evolved that would bring him to a point where repentance seemed a logical step. Again, my opinion. But what I'm noticing here, which is very important, and I read the letter a few nights ago, earlier this last week, the letter that he wrote to, to the public regarding his New York trial. And I found the letter to be very in, interesting because President Trump went through a discussion about the person that was running the, the AG's office, the, uh, the person that was persecuting him, the attacks that had been on his family, and then he ended the letter in a different way than, I, than would be typical of President Trump. And it was more humbled. It was a letter, in the letter he referenced the fact that he's always asked, wondered why people would take the fifth, and he finally has come to understand why. And in so doing, he himself took the fifth. It was a very long letter to justify his decision, well thought out, to take the fifth. Patriots, we cannot take 
somebody in a position and move them right to repentance. God can, but I think it's always a process of what we all go through to get to those places. And right now I think that we're all being put into that, that furnace to be purified. And it wouldn't surprise me if along the way President Trump is having the same. And that's why I would encourage continued prayers for him because it's quite an amazing consideration that God would actually take a president and he would refine him and bring him to a point where potentially we would see a president that would be a repenting president. The world needs this. And I, and I, I'm, my prayers continue on that place that God will help that happen with us, but it's going to take us being strong and praying for it. My personal opinion is one of the big responsibilities that we've all had and where we've arrived in this nation is the fact that we were very willing to take from President Trump. President Trump would fix things. He would, we'd be looking for him to do something that would fix it, and we weren't putting our prayers into him to have God guide him into that place. And from the, some information that was shared with me on a meeting that he had recently, it's interesting in the comment that he made at the end of the meeting, which is people need to wake up. There's a lot of truth to that. And, I, and that was directed not just at, as I understand the comment, was directed a lot at MAGA. Because MAGA has really become a, a place where people are looking to President Trump as the idol, the idolatry that consumes him, that consumes around him, to fix things for us. Our country, again, as I say so many times, was built on we the people, not, not we the, the subjects of a president. And it's an important point to keep in mind that as we go forward, the importance not only of our prayers, but our constant and daily vigilance. We have some major challenges. We have some major threats in our system. The vote is being the is the big push. And if you listen to what everyone's talking about, it's always vote in November. But somehow we're missing some of these big topics. And these are major red flags for me of asking a deeper question of why is everybody so silent on these matters? Why are there so many voices not talking about rising food shortages? Why are there so many people not talking about the new programmable CBDC that's going to roll out in February? Why is the issue of the IRS not being more front and center? It's there, but why not? And why is it not being linked to these other issues? Why is it that we are not pointing our finger at Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, but instead pointing our finger at the Democrats for the Vax problem? See, these are, this is some very skanky type hand plays right here because at the end of the day, the masters of the universe sit in Wall Street, not in D.C. And if we're going to have a pursuit of truth and we're going to have a reset in our nation, we're going to have to see the masters of the universe stand trial. That means the Larry Finks. That means the head of Vanguard. That means, that means the Bill Gates. And it means that we as a public are going to have to witness and see and experience the pain of what they're going through. We are still very much in the dark on a lot of things, and it allows too much latitude for people to skirt around and to still stay asleep. You talk to somebody about child sex trafficking, and if they're on the left, they look at you and go, that's conspiracy. Because there's not enough public evidence for them to prove the fact that child sex trafficking isn't just an issue, but it is a it is a, a pandemic in itself that literally goes so deep that it is the backbone to much of the international financial market. 
as well as illegal drug trafficking and pharmaceutical drug trafficking. So we have some major challenges of truth, and a lot of that truth is not just based on the media. We have to start looking very objectively at those in the public eye and in the leadership places. Who is speaking these truths? And when they're speaking them, it's important that we elevate those voices, but when they're not, it's equally important that we're asking why and pressing them to speak the truth. That gets back to someone like President Trump being a repenting president. Because as a repenting president, that's going to lead him to the place to speak the truths and to speak honestly about decisions that he's made and others have made and to take the Republican Party in particular off the pedestal of somehow idealistic perfect, which we know it's not, and trying to put them in the shadow of this kind of perfection or moralistic solidity while they attack the Democrats ruthlessly. So this is... There's no question that there is a corruption, a deep, dark corruption within the Democrat Party. But here's another point just to, to highlight. When we look at what President Putin is attacking, he's, not, he's never mentioned once the RNC. He always mentions the DNC and the global powers. But we know better. We know what's in the RNC. Lindsey Graham is a great example. Lindsey Graham went to Ukraine with McCain, and they were doing their little butt dance together. And the whole piece there is that they were complicit in setting up much of what we are dealing with today. This has not about two parties. It's been about one party with two faces. And this bifurcation or this, bi- this binary idea that we have in politics keeps us bouncing between one of two options when God's option is infinite. So I, the more that we can push a, a government to start being accountable as it was intended to put it as accountable to us, and we are all then accountable to God, the greater chance that we're going to have in truly restoring this nation. And that needs to be a focus, and it needs to be a vigilance that we're doing. We can't let anybody off of this. I mean, we are in an exodus right now of a sort, but what does that exodus really look like? And how quick, how solid is that exodus that we're in? As we know what happens on Exodus, I mean, Exodus, we have Moses leads them out. And then when he goes to Mount Sinai, when he comes back down, they've already rebuilt the golden calf and they're already back to their old ways. That's a pretty stunning thought. And so as we're walking forward here, it is about not just waking people up, but getting them grounded on that rock of faith to such a degree that they're not going to want to leave. In that way, I think God is going to have to shake the world in a big way. And part of that is going to require that we are prepared for that shaking and we are also ready to mobilize in that shaking to be able to get into our communities and to raise them up again on a new foundation, the rock of faith, not the houses of sand. But we do need a repenting president. We need a nation that's willing to repent. We need a nation that's willing to take responsibility and accountability for what all of our parts are in this fight. In closing, here's another piece here by our same researcher, and this is on Mount Sinai. I found this really interesting. I just wanted to share this tonight. Is Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, real? 
Why hasn't mainstream archaeology taken Mount Sinai seriously? Because for 1500 years we've been looking at the wrong place. St. Catherine's Monastery, the alleged Mount Sinai site, has no archaeologic evidence to support it. But just 300 kilometers to the east is Jabal el Laws, which is potentially the real Mount Sinai. Not only does this mountain appear to have been burned by some kind of heat that melts rocks, it is surrounded by geologic and archaeologic evidence that supports the biblical narrative of the Exodus. Following the path out of Egypt that Moses and the Jewish people could have taken, the Exodus Trail begins at the Gulf of Aqaba, where the Israelites were stuck between a rock and a hard place. Technically, rocks in a wet place. On one side, a mountain with the only entry blocked off by the Pharaoh's army, and the other side, the Red Sea. Imaging of the sea floor at the crossing point shows a traversable and gradual decline into the sea. Not a land bridge, but also not a cliff that they couldn't navigate. And in antiquity, this site was known to be the crossing point. The Jewish King Solomon erected markers on both sides of the sea at this crossing point. One of them still exists to this day. After the Red Sea, the Jewish people camped at the Palms of Elam. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water and threescore and ten palm trees. After Elam was the miracle at the rock in Horeb. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. Here's what we would want to see to validate that it's the real rock at Horeb. It would need to be identifiable near Mount Sinai and have evidence that water flowed from it. This rock is massive. It sits atop a hill and sticks out like a sore thumb. And even though this is a desert climate, there are clear signs of erosion and it looks like the water source came from the rock. Next stop, the altar to the golden calf. Imagine this. They had just seen God split the Red Sea and then split the rock at Horeb. Now they're watching Moses on Mount Sinai that's on fire. And what do they do to celebrate? They build an altar to a golden calf and party. At the base of Mount Sinai is an altar made of rock, and it appears to have been erected as an altar to the golden calf. There's even what appears to be Egyptian hieroglyphics of a calf inscribed on the rocks that make up the altar. And now we get to the actual mountain itself. From the base of the mountain, you can see the charred rock at the peak of the mountain, and upon closer inspection, the rocks appear to be melted. What would cause rocks on the top of a mountain to melt? Is it possible that it was the presence of God that did this to these rocks? Can you imagine? Moses, Moses, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. He does absolutely fantastic research, and that's Voice of Reason Official 2. Voice of Reason Official 2 on TikTok. Really good channel, and is and he's a solid researcher and really has done a great job of, of putting some teeth to uh, some hard research and teeth to some of the stories. And it parallels well because there's a, a one of my favorite Bibles that I have is an archaeological Bible, and it was a brilliantly done piece. And every every part in the Bible is archaeologically grounded in real archaeological studies and digs. So, again, really good work. These times in all the chaos and so forth, I think that if we're really sitting strong in our place with, with Jesus and walking, they're actually pretty calm. I'm finding myself that way. I don't find much anxiety. I think I, I mean, there's no question we're watching a lot of idiocy and we're watching a lot of insanity right now. I even had a cow go crazy today, so I don't know what that's about, but, and not kidding either. Um, but the, the issue at hand really is the need for the world to see stability and the need for the world to learn 
wisdom and common sense and knowledge and see it through people's lives. We have an amazing opportunity as we walk with Christ at this moment in time to be those people, to be that solid walk that others can seek and say and go, wow, why are you not? It's the common, it's why are you not worried? Why are you not anxious? Why are you not sick? All of these things. God's given us an amazing gift. And the farther we go down this walk of people continuing with the injections and people continuing to believe in these fake viruses, the immune systems that we're giving continue to work well, but for others to see them, they, they almost look like we're superhuman. Again, it's a brilliant statement of God's gift for the world. So much of what we're doing, we're walking, we're breathing, is the demonstration of our love in, in Christ. And if we are willing to just accept that as one of the great gifts, we don't have to worry so much about where people are going to find Christ. They're going to see Christ through us. And I think that's amazing. And then it makes that idea of engaging and bringing people to Christ all that much easier because the presence of Christ within us is itself such a powerful statement. We just are sowing seeds. And as we sow the seeds out here for others to see, to experience, to witness, they're going to be drawn to it. I talked to Michael Beatty today, which a number of you, many of you know from Bards Fest and others. He does a great channel. He was talking to me about all the new age people that are reaching out to him and asking about Jesus and wanting to learn about Jesus. It's happening. It's an amazing thing. People are seeking faith. But I think we have to have ears to hear. Because when we hear people talk and they don't talk in the, in the codification of what we accept as okay, like, well, that person's not talking faith, they're doing this or that's blasphemous, we're missing something here many times. I had this conversation a long time, about four years ago, five years ago with Travis Graham, Pastor Travis Graham, who was my mentor in Christ. And it was an amazing thing because we talked about what I was seeing in the digital world with people that were first engaging with Christ. Their language was foul. Their language was rough. But here's the amazing thing, is that they were, they had never known Jesus. And so many of the early anons that were on 8chan and, and researching were coming to a simple conclusion. I can prove evil, therefore I must, it therefore proves that God exists. And if God exists, so does Christ. That's a profound thing. We need to be able to listen to the heart and remember that so many people out here have never known Father, have never had a relationship with Jesus. They don't, it's all new. And we become the disciples, the guides, those that can lead them. And as we do, and we give examples, and we give, we give scripture, and we can point to things that people can read, we become more or less the mentors of a new generation of Christ lovers. Even though people may be a coarse stone to begin, they will become through Christ the refined and beauty of a diamond. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. We come together just in fellowship as we do each night and are just blessed with this opportunity to take advantage of a, of a technology to make it so powerful and connecting and to, to being able to share the wisdom that you bring to us and the love that you bring to us and the insights that you bring to us. Father, we just pray tonight that 
people can sit comfortably with you, to sit comfortably with Jesus and know that it doesn't matter how this thing ends in this world because we're already taken care of. And it doesn't matter what unfolds in our timeline because it's your timeline. We just need to be secure in the idea of to have no fear, to trust completely, and to enjoy the walk in the mission of expanding the kingdom. Too often, Father, we get wrapped into the stresses of our lives and we forget the joy of what sits before us. Too often we're seeking the prayer of we need this rather than realizing that the experience you give us is to accomplish that through the experience of life. When we're seeking wisdom, we forget often that you give us the opportunities to learn wisdom. When you are seeking peace, too often we forget the the fact that you provide us opportunities to build peace. When we talk about courage or have no fear, we forget that you provide us with the experiences to accomplish that and in turn grow. So Father, we pray tonight that people will just embrace the, the beauty of the walk, the time before us, all that's around us, all that it is. And to embrace that as it is, does these times will never be like this again. We live in an opportune moment once in probably the history of humanity, something this profound. And we are here because you need us here, because you wanted us here, because you trust us as we must trust in you. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It is an important paradigm shift for me to share that, I mean, it's so, and I I say this from a perspective of hearing a lot from people and often hearing about fear and hearing about the weight of the world. And in a positive note, there is a lot of equally positive things being said and people are embracing the glory of, of what this time is. But if you just take one example and to look at one thing that comes up constantly here in our chats, it comes in constantly in people reaching out to me It's the conversations that people are sharing of what has happened in their lives as they've now accepted, they've started growing food, they've started raising animals, they've started to take responsibility for something that basic. And it's happened because of Bard's Nation. Every time the testimonies come in, it's happened because of Bard's Nation. That's not just me, that's all of us. And it's all of us working together to share, to extend, to support, to pray, and to seek that great wisdom. So it is so important that we take advantage of this time. It's a glorious time that we're growing so deeply. We're getting our hands dirty, not just physically in the sowing of seeds, but literally dirty in the sense of planting the spiritual seeds. And if we really embrace that to what it is, you wouldn't, I don't think anybody would want to live in any other time but right now. Christ is growing in people's hearts. We've gone from a place in time when the church has told us, the pulpit was telling us, we're in a post-Christian society. I say bunk on that. We are not now. We are in an emerging society where Christ will once again be the predominant vision and ideology of everybody. And that's profound. And that's happened in just in my lifetime. And that's happening now. And because God is moving, he's moving through us. And each one of us has a piece in that. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. 
God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And our prayers just continue to reach deep within him, walking deep with him in such a profound time and place. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove That we could stand here too All the nights been pushing through Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to the level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now
Thank、you.